This is Mystical Text with Abel Kazilski. And we can get really right stuck into learning mystical texts. We are actually learning the book of Genesis. Um, at the end of last year, we completed the third parsha, the third, um, it's not the chapter, but the third portion of the Torah, which was called Parashat Lech Lecha, the parsha where God, God gives the instruction to Abraham to leave the place of his birth, to leave his mother's house, to leave his land, and to go to a land that God will show him. And for those that followed this incredible narrative, Abraham lands in the land of Israel, and he starts to acquire the land of Israel, not through ease, just to be noted, but through many trials and tribulations. Um, but one of the things that I stressed, and I still stress today, um, as it is still very relevant five, 4,000 years later, is that Israel and the Jewish people are, are inextricably connected. Um, this is the land that God gave to us um, for the world and for the Jews. It is, will be and is a better place when the Jews are connected intimately with the land of Israel and everything in it. Um, we are going to pick up, though, the story of one of the tests that Abraham goes through, we know that Abraham had to pass 10 tests. We're on to the test now of post the, 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 the difficult test of him being circumcised. Again, if you'd like to uh, hear all of the, the background to, to how he got circumcised, why he circumcised himself at the age he did, it was at the age of 99 years old. Um, you can go back and pick up the podcasts off FM's app or off the website, and you can pick up from there. But where we're picking up right now is chapter 18, verse 1, and we are told that this is day 3 post his Brit Miller, post his bris. It says the following, and I'm only really going to concentrate, interestingly, on just one verse today, because as we know, when we learn Torah, there is so much that we can learn from every letter, every word, every vowel, that um, it makes really for interesting reading and a lot of thought. So let's read the verse to kick it off and then start asking some questions and learning some new ideas or exploring some possibilities. Vayere elav Hashem, God appears um, to him, it doesn't say to Abraham, but it appears to him, Be'elone Mamre, in the groves of Mamre, that is a place, Ve'hu Yoshev Petach Ohel, he was sitting at the entrance of his tent, Kachom Hayom, in the heat of the day. We've got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven words. God appears to him in the groves of Mamre, and he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Well, for anybody who likes to study Chumash and has been taught and trained in the thought patterns of how one goes about learning Torah, we can ask a myriad questions. Number one, it happened in the heat of the day. Um, we're told that some say that it was 10 o'clock in the morning, others argue, but the question is, so what? Why worry about the heat of the day? 
if we are going to have an appearance from God, what difference does it make? What time of the day it is? And why do we have to describe the facts that it was hot? Question number one. Question number two. Behu Yoshef Petacha Ohel. He was sitting at the entrance to his tent. So what? Who cares if you were sitting inside lounging on your couch? If you're sitting at the entrance of your tent or you had gone shopping at the local mall. What has that got to do with the actual physical space where you find yourself? Then it says, Vayere elav Hashem. God appears to him. By inference, because we are following the narrative that at the last few verses in the previous parsha, we are talking about the circumcision, by inference we understand now that God appears to Abraham. But why don't you say that? Why doesn't it say, Vayera Hashem El Avraham, that God appears to Avraham? Why do you use the word Elav to him? Why, why not be specific? Why do you have to leave us guessing? You appear to him. What, why not mention his name? There's a fourth question. And so, so you appear to him and he was sitting by the front door of his house or the opening of his tent and it was boiling hot outside. And so, so you appear to him and what happened? Well, we don't really know what happens because if you go and look at verse two, what happens is that the Torah goes completely sideways and starts describing something else. And I'm going to read you those verses, which we will explore next week, but just so you can understand in context. Verse 2 says, Vayisa enav, he lifts up his eyes, Vayar, and he sees, this is all talking about Abraham, Vihine shlosha anashim malav, there were three men that were standing before him, Vayar, and he saw them, Vayarats, and he got up, Likratam, to Greet them, mi petacha ahel, from the, from the, from the, the opening of his tent. and he bows down before them. Okay, so what you're saying is he was sitting at the opening of his tent. It was very hot. God appears to him. We don't know why he appears to him or what God actually said to him because there's no indication whatsoever in it. And then suddenly the next verse says he's sitting there at the opening of his tent. He looks up and he sees three guys standing over him. He runs out towards them. He bows down. And the narrative will continue in that he he then goes and tells them to sit down and relax. And he brings them water. And then he brings them food, etc., etc. And yes, they are angels and all of that. But it actually has nothing to do with the first line. So again, just to repeat um, the questions, Vayar Elav Hashem, why did God appear to him? Why don't you say Vayar Hashem El Avraham, that you're actually coming as an appearance to Avraham? Who's him? Even though by inference we would assume that him is Avraham. What did you appear for? Because you didn't say anything. So what are you making an appearance for? Second, why do you have to mention that you're sitting at the Petach Ohel at the entrance to your tent, does it really matter where you were when God appeared to you? Nowhere else when God appears are we told where, where physically you're standing. And then why worry about Kachom Hayom, about the, the temperature that was outside? 
It seems completely and utterly inconsequential to anything. I'm going to leave you with those four questions, and we'll be answering them as soon as we get back. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Welcome back, and we have a whole lot of questions to answer. But before we do that, a reminder that through Chai FM, you connect to the world, to Israel, and to the global listening community. But now you can connect to the heart of the station. Just download our free app to listen live, contact the studio, office, or helpline by one touch. Find it on the Google App Store. Chai FM, C-H-A-I-F-M. Just look for the logo, and the Chai FM app is brought to you by Binary Headquarters. Right, so let's get stuck into answering all the questions and understanding the context of where we are. As explained, we said that in the previous parsha, the parsha of Lech Lecha ended with the fact that Abraham had circumcised himself. When had he circumcised himself? So if we start looking into the commentaries of the rabbis, Abraham had actually circumcised himself on Yom Kippur, on the 10th of Tishrei. It was the year 2048. If you want an English equivalent, I can give it to you. Um, that would have been October the 6th in the year 1714 before the Common Era. If that's helped you understand time and space, well, I'm glad for that. So he circumcised himself on Yom Kippur. And this appearance of God is actually coming on the 12th of Tishrei, three days later. Okay. And we are told that Abraham was sitting at the entrance to the door of his tent because he was in tremendous pain. Now, let's remember, 1714, before the Common Era, there weren't too many analgesics around. There certainly wasn't anything known as anesthetics. And taking into account the very fact that Abraham was 99 years old, not eight days old, the tremendous pain that he must have gone through in circumcising himself was probably indescribable. We also know, and our rabbis teach us, that the third day after an operation is the worst because that's when the inflammation comes out the most and that's when the patient is in pain the most. So we can deduce that Abraham was almost immobilized, okay, in a lot of pain and he was sitting by the entrance to the, to his tent and it was hot outside. And one of the things that gave him healing was the heat of the sun. He was sitting there trying to heal himself from the pain of his operation. Further commentary comes and teaches us that, in fact, God did a kindness to him and not only provided the heat of the day in order to heal him, but it also had another side effect in that because it was so hot outside, there were no people outside, and that was a gift to Abraham because, as we see from the second verse onwards, as soon as he got sight of anybody who was walking out in the heat, he got up and he ran to go and serve them because one of the great ideas about Abraham was that he 
um, had a tremendous amount of hachnasat orchim, of, of um, feeding guests and hospitality. So God had rachmonas on him, our rabbis teach, and he created heat outside, one, A, to heal him, and B, um, to stop people from walking around um, so that he could actually relax and allow himself to heal. Thirdly, then taking on that idea, the rabbis go and say, that's why it says, Vayera elav Hashem, that God appeared to him in Elone Mamre, in the groves of Mamre. God appeared. What did he say? What was it for? Why didn't he get a nevuah? Why didn't he get a prophecy? Didn't get an instruction? Didn't get a thing? Because our rabbis teach us, God just appeared to him to be, to fulfill the mitzvah of Bikur Choylem, of visiting the sick. So God wasn't there on any agenda other than to visit him and to visit the sick. So now we can understand a little bit more the practicality of the verse. Elena Mamre, by the way, for those that were listening um, in the previous podcasts, if you recall when, when he got the, the commandment to have circumcision, um, to have a Brit Miller, um, Abraham went and sought advice from three of his friends, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. And the only person who encouraged him 100% was Mamre. So Elena Mamre, in the groves of Mamre, this is God comes to um, Abraham in Mamre's groves because Mamre was the one that told him to obey God's commandments exactly. So now on a simple level, we can understand God appears to Abraham. He's not appearing to tell him something, to give him a command or an instruction. He simply is coming to do the mitzvah of Bikur Cholem, of visiting the sick. And where did we find Abraham? At the uh, door to his tent. He had moved there because there was heat outside and he was hoping that the, the sun would heal him, which was a gift of God on that day. And also God tried to make it hot enough that there wouldn't be people out there in order to to let Abraham relax because the third day is the worst day for pain. There are much deeper reasons to this, and I'm going to come back to them, but I want to talk a little bit about the practicality of visiting the sick. As we know in Torah, our entire lives are explained through the lens of Torah. If we have a question in anything that we do, that we say, or even think, Torah has a guidelines and an instruction as how to behave, how to do something, etc., etc. And it is from this verse over here where we see God visiting Abraham with Bikr Cholim that we learn that just as God visits the sick, so too we need to make it a priority for us to visit the sick as well. And it is incumbent on us not only to visit the sick, but part of the mitzvah of visiting the sick is that we need to pray for him and to alleviate the circumstances around him so to ease the person's suffering. All that we learn from this verse, 
God eased his suffering by making it hot outside so that he could get the healing from the sun. And he eased it outside so that there wouldn't be people walking outside so that Abraham wouldn't feel guilty and obligated to go and serve them. So let me go through a few of the the laws about the Bikr Choylem. Um, and though they sound um, logical and maybe you know, well, duh, yes, we all know to visit the sick. Um, it's important that we actually understand it from a Torah perspective because Bikr Choylem, visiting the sick, is far greater than just going and sitting by somebody's bedside and having a chat. But let's kick off with that. The Torah does teach that one is obligated to go and sit by a person who is ill. This is further um, broken down into the idea of who of who can go sit by a person who is ill. So the rabbis teach that when a person is sick, certainly his relatives should visit him immediately upon hearing the news. However, others, i.e. friends, should not come until after three days. Okay? Um, if the friends are considered, are, are considered like relatives, then that's fine. So that is something that we need to keep in mind. And very interestingly, this same law um, in different circumstances also applies. And what I'm talking about there is when it comes to bereavement, when somebody has lost a dear one, obviously when one is sitting shiva, the, the, the halakha states that the first three days of shiva are there for, for the close family relatives and if need be, very, very close friends. But if somebody else wants to come and pay respects and pay a shiva call, one should only come from the third day onwards. It's a psychological fact that both in bereavement and in illness, the person is in a state of distress, and it is very, very difficult upon the distressed person to maintain a level of quorum if a friend comes in. We know that we behave differently with different people, certainly with our our family, you know, we let our hair, prefer, uh, metaphorically, much, much looser than if a friend comes in or a stranger comes in. So with regard to both bereavement and with Bikr Cholim, we are specifically looking at Bikr Cholim, the visiting of the sick. One only visits a friend if you, God forbid, hear somebody has been in hospital, has been ill, and has gone through an operation. You should only go and visit them from the third day onwards unless you are a relative or a very close friend who is considered as if he is a relative. That's halakha. That's the first halakha. The second halakha is that one should visit the sick as many times as practical and inquire about his condition um, because you're fulfilling the mitzvah in, a, in, a, in an abundant way. It's not good enough if somebody is ill. Sometimes people have protracted illnesses and it can take six weeks, six months for them to get better. As a patient, it's very disheartening that everybody makes a fuss over you um, initially when everybody hears the news. And after a week, two weeks, three weeks, you're still in the process of recovery um, and nobody actually shows any attention to you. So the, so the rabbis um, insist that one visits the sick as many times as practical through the healing process um, and allow and, and, and be there. Because it says that every time 
one goes to visit the six, one sixtieth of the sickness is removed from them. A very, very beautiful idea that you are helping alleviate it. And for anybody who has been in a state of protracted illness, one will know and will appreciate it when somebody does come to visit and, um, you know, connect with the person. It's, it's very, very, very healing. The rabbis also say something interesting. One should not visit the sick too early in the morning before nine o'clock in the morning because generally when a person wakes up, they are relaxed and their symptoms are less severe. Nor should one visit them very late at night because that's when the symptoms become worse and one, one, one feels awful. One should try visit him round about midday or from 10 o'clock onwards, and we can see that this was fulfilled by God himself. God came, some say, at 10 o'clock, some say it was at high noon. He came in the, the middle of the morning to visit Abraham. A further halacha is that when visiting the sick, one should sit, obviously to make things far more comfortable, but we are told the following. One should not sit near the patient's head as the divine presence is there, nor should one sit near his feet, but only at his side. So it's again the the manner in the manner in which you're fulfilling the mitzvah of bikkurcholim is indicative of showing your care and compassion for the person. Sitting by the side of the person is sitting and saying, "I'm equal with you. I am with you in your pain." Greater than visiting the sick and just being there for the person, which is vitally important. And um, holds um, a lot of imp- importance. There's also part of the mitzvah of Bikkurcholim is to pray for the person. One is allowed to pray in, in the presence of the patient in any language. Um, and then one is also obligated to pray for him when he's not in his presence. So here you, you can see the custom that we have. When we are learning Torah or there's davening, we're always stopping and mentioning the ill and the people that need refuah shlema, that need a healing, because part of the mitzvah of Bikur Cholim, of visiting the sick, is in fact um, praying for them. Interestingly, when we pray for people in the synagogue or um, in other places, we always say, may God make him recover Amongst Sha'ar Cholei Israel, amongst the other sick of Israel, and the reason why we clump the sick person along with everybody else, because there is a dictum in Torah that the merit of the multitude of prayer in a prayer is accepted, meaning we kind of like hit the 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 the, the, the whole thing in one huge amount. Say, not only do we are we praying specifically for the one person but for everybody that is ill and in everybody's merit when there is a multitude our prayers get answered that's why we will pray certain prayers only when we have a quorum of men when we have a minion so these are some of the 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 halachot um i also wanted to mention that when we are praying for a person um tehillim is a wonderful wonderful way to pray for them, we can pray on various in various ways through the book of Tehillim, through the book of Psalms. Firstly, if one opens up a, any book of Psalms at the back or in the front somewhere, you will see that there are specific Tehillim for sick people. 
that one may say. One may also pray the, the chapter of the age of the person plus one, meaning that in Judaism we will look at each of the chapters of the Tehillim corresponding to how old we are. For example, if you are 50 right now, you'll be saying the 51st chapter because you actually are in your 51st year. When you turn 51, you've completed 51 years. So even though you say, I'm 51, you will then be saying the 52nd chapter. So um, if one is praying on behalf of an ill person, then certainly saying um, the chapters that are designated in the books of Tehillim for illness is appropriate. Saying the chapter of the person's birthday is appropriate. And thirdly, a huge custom when somebody is ill um, we take chapter 119 of Tehillim, which if you look at it, ha- is, is the longest um, chapter of Tehillim. It's 176 verses. And the way the verses works is that the first eight verses of the chapter all start with the letter Aleph. The next eight verses, the letter Bet. The next le- eight verses, the letter Gimel. So it goes through the entire alphabet, and there's eight verses that start with that particular letter of the alphabet. And what we do is we take the name, the Hebrew name, of the person who is ill, plus whether he is the son or a daughter of, and the mother's Hebrew name. So I'm just going to give you an example. Abraham ben Sarah. Abraham, the son of Sarah, not of the father of the mother. And then you take each of the letters. So Abraham starts with an Aleph. You'll say the first letters of the first eight verses of 119, which correspond to Aleph. Then Bet, Abraham, Bet, you'll say the letters, the verses that correspond to Bet. Then you'll go to Resh. Then you'll go to Hey. Then you'll go to Mem. When you finish the word, you'll go say Ben. You'll do the letters of Bet and Nun. If it's a woman, it's Bet and Tough. And then you'll go on to the letters of the mother's name. Talking about names um, with regard to sick people, one of the other customs we have that is encompassed in Bikur Choylem, in the visiting of the sick and having the compassion of a person who is suffering, that if a person is deathly ill, we will change their name. And we will add in a name to them, hopefully to change their, 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 their muzzle. Um, that is, um, an interesting idea as well. Since we're on the topic further, um, and then I will come back to, to the questions and understand the questions a little bit more. When it comes to visiting the sick, we're, we're talking now in the space where people, um, <clears throat> are sick, they require our compassion, they require our visits, and there is a healing process. There are times, unfortunately, that we are placed in a position where we know somebody somebody is what we would term deathly ill and um, might not recover from their illness. We are told then the halakha is if the chances are or it is the understanding that they would not recover from their illness, one should visit immediately. One shouldn't go and say, well, they're deathly ill, so I'm, no, I still have to wait for three days because I'm not the best friend. One should go and visit immediately. Um, and there is another custom that we take on, and that is if we know that somebody's deathly ill and is nearing their end, um, it is a huge kindness for the one who visits 
visits them. It's particularly handled generally today by a rabbi or a close family member that one assists the deathly ill person in saying vidoy, confession. Now, that is um, the process. It's a prayer um, that the patient says. I'm going to read it to you just very quickly. And uh, after the break, I'm then going to explain it. Basically, the words of the vidoy read as follows. I admit, Hashem, my Lord and Lord of my fathers, that life and death are in your hands. May you send me a complete cure. But if I am to die, let my death be an atonement for all the sins I have committed. Grant me a portion in paradise and let me be worthy of the world to come, set aside for the righteous. I believe in all the words of the prophets, especially in the words of Moses, greatest of the prophets, which comprise the Torah, teaching us how we should act. And I believe that God will send the Messiah when he so desires, after which he will bring the dead back to life. That is the confession prayer. We're going to go for a little bit of a break. And when we get back, I will continue this important discussion. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Welcome back, and we are discussing um, vidoy, the confession that is said by the bed of a person who is deathly ill. And just before the break, I read it to you. Um, we are told that it's very important to remind the patient to say this um, while he is still fully conscious. However, by the way, before the however, and a visitor who does this is considered a messenger of good and does a huge kindness um, to the patient. Some people are very nervous to do that, but it's actually a huge kindness. Um, if, however, the person has already fallen into a coma or unable to do it um, for themselves, one can call on a rabbi or ask a family member or a stranger, if need be, to say the vidoy uh, um, prayer for them. It is very, very important to get that prayer done. Um, we are also told that one should discuss with a deathly ill patient if he has anything that must be returned to another, if he owes any money, if he's taken care of his affairs, etc., etc., and then soothe him not to be afraid of death. That is, God forbid, in a situation where we talk about the deathly ill. Interestingly, the word, there's a word in Hebrew called a gvir. Generally, when we use the word gvir, we are talking about um, the a, a person who's called wealthy. A wealthy person is called gvir. Okay, now I just want to show you the interesting, um, the depth of Torah. The word Gvir is made up of four letters, a Gimel, a Bet, Yud, and a Resh. Now, our rabbis teach us that a Gvir, while we use it um, literal, in a literal sense as a wealthy person, this person is a Gvir, he's a wealthy person. In truth, Judaism looks at wealth, a wealthy person, in a completely different light, in a completely different lens. And how do we understand that? Through the three, the four letters. Gimel stands for Gomel Chasadim, somebody who does good deeds, somebody who acts kindly towards others. And obviously that is manifest as an example 
in the mitzvah of Bikur Choylem, that you actually act kindly towards them. That's the Gimel. Gomel Chasadim. Bet um, stands for the word Baishan, which means humble. So, you know, some people can do many charitable deeds, but they walk around pretty arrogant that, you know, you know who I am. I've done X, Y, Z. I've given charity. I've done, I've visited so many sick people. I've helped so many people. I entertained so many people. One of the important midot, one of the important characteristics one should, um, work on is that one must feel that one's never done enough and one should be ashamed as if one has done nothing. So we don't walk around you know, lording over the poor or shouting at them or making them feel like uh, like beggars, we should be humble in what we do. The Yud stands for Yashar. And Yashar really means to be upright, which means, in other words, to be honest. One needs to be honest in everything that we do. We shouldn't want to do anything crooked. We shouldn't have any ulterior motives in visiting the sick or doing any other mitzvah. That we are, that, that we're involved in. And finally, one should have the Raish, which is Rachamim. Um, one should be merciful. One should be kind-hearted towards everyone. So just as a revision, Gimel is Gomel Chasadim, show kindness. Bet is Baishan, you should be humble. Yud is you should be Yasha, you should be honest in all your dealings. And Raish is that you should have Rachamim. That makes you a Gvir. That makes you a wealthy person. Not how much money you've got in the bank or how many plaques are on the wall because you're a great donator or if you're the CEO of uh, who knows what. What makes you a gvir, a wealthy person, is when you have those four character traits. And these character traits are primarily important every in every aspect um, of, of life and in everything that we do. Now, particularly because we are talking about visiting the sick, those four qualities are very important. One of the other uh, ideas of, of Bikur Cholim is that not only we visit the sick, not only do we ass, um, assist and pray for him, but we are told that part of the mitzvah of Bikur Cholim is to ensure that if there is extraneous things that are um, hurting the sick person because he's unable to do them or it's disrupting his healing, one should attend to them as well. For example, the rabbis say, if you walk into the house and the house is not clean, you should sweep the floor, should clean the house, should help with the dishes, bring food to a, um, to, to, to their house. You should do anything and everything that is needed to alleviate the burden of the sick person and perhaps even the burden of the family who is affected by the illness if a primary care, care, uh, giver. Um, is the one that is ill, then certainly we have to worry about the children or anybody else or their business or their house or their food or their shopping or their lift schemes. There's a tremendous amount that goes around the idea of Bikur Cholim, of visiting the sick. So it is really a, a, a quite large and all-encompassing mitzvah. The story is told about Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, the Alter Rebbe, that one Yom Kippur, the congregants had arrived um, in, uh, at the shul in order to say Kol Nidre, and they were waiting for the Alter Rebbe to make his appearance so they could start their prayers. And they were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And here we're talking about the holiest day of the year. We're talking about a very holy man who is 
the leader of the congregation, and the entire congregation is waiting for him. The Alter Rebbe is nowhere to be seen. And they're waiting, and nobody knows what has happened. Eventually, the Alter Rebbe arrives um, in his kittel at the shul, and everybody was like surprised, like, what took you so long? Like, don't you know that we have to start Kornidre? It's the holiest day. Every moment that you lose in prayer, who knows what has been written up and sealed in the heavenly courts? And it was found out later, or it was told, or the, I'm not sure if the Alter Rebbe told them, or it was found out later. The Alter Rebbe found out that there was a woman who was looking, who was ill and had very young kids. I believe she was a widow. And unfortunately, there was nobody there to prepare for the yonta for her, to cook and to clean and to help in the house. And so he went early to assist um, in all of that. And that proceeded and took away from the congregation and Kornidre because assisting and visiting the sick and assisting in that way is very, very important. This is Mystical Text with Abel Kazilski. Right, we're almost at the end of our segment of Learning Torah, and I want to take a step back and join the beginning with the end in going back to the questions that we asked um, and just learning something a little bit more deeper. God appears to him in Elene Mamre. Why him? And he was sitting at the entrance to, the tem- uh, uh, to his tent, and it was the heat of the day. Why are you giving us this information in such a way? Our rabbis come and teach us something very, very interesting. Okay? Um, one of the tenements and one of the most important ideas in Torah is that when one fulfills a mitzvah, one is purified. One is refined. One becomes a new person. One becomes elevated and connected to godliness and removes oneself from the dross and the grossness of materialism. Now, Abraham waited until God commanded him to fulfill the mitzvah of circumcision. Um, and the reason why he waited, because there were many mitzvahs that he intuitively understood to do, like eating matzah, which we will be doing in this week's, in this parasha that we're going to learn. He waited to be commanded because there is a, an importance, there is a, um, a, a greater sense of achievement when you're commanded to do something and you fulfill it. I've discussed this at length. Please go back on my previous podcasts. So until the time of circumcision, when we look at when God speaks to Abraham, Abraham falls on his face and he's unable to stand in the presence of God. Go back and read when God has appeared to Abraham previously. Now that Abraham had gone through the mitzvah of circumcision, that circumcision had a profound effect on who he was and his connection to God. And what was able was that God was just able to appear to him. Not only was God able to appear to him, and we do not have the words, and he fell over into the ground, or he received the the, the prophecy while he was sleeping, as he did in the Brit Ben Aptarim. He was now able to do this. He was able to sit and receive prophecy without any conditions. He was sitting at the door of his tent where if you're looking at the outside, there is a lot of noise, extraneous, normal noise going on on the outside. 
Okay, um, and it didn't bother him that he was in a standard, normal, day-to-day humdrum. Vayare lav Hashem, God could appear to him, and he, the appearance was handled because he had now been elevated um, in terms of the of the circumcision. Also, it wasn't at night or early morning when you need to be relaxed or you need to be in a dreamlike state. It was kachomayom. It was in the middle of the day when there's hustle and bustle. You know, lots of people talk about going and having time out and they're telling you to meditate. Generally, most people tell you to go meditate in the early morning or late at night when there is no noise and no WhatsApp and no, you know, Facebook and no, no, no extraneous things that are going to, to, um, divert you. Here Abraham was sitting in the middle of the day outside his tent watching what was going on outside by Hashem, God was able to appear to him because the effect of the circumcision had elevated him that he was now able to connect much higher. Finally, Vayar Elav Hashem, it appeared to him. Why to him? Because it wasn't only Abraham that God could appear to. It comes to teach us that any man who fulfills the mitzvot, who fulfills God's commandments, has the ability for God to appear to him, even if he's sitting, even if he's at the door of his tent, even if he's in the middle of the day, even if his mind's not tranquil. When one connects to godliness, one can perceive godliness. And so the hymn is a general term, a love is a general term, to teach that each and every one of us can reach that state. A wonderful, wonderful teaching and I think a great way to end off this verse that we've learned. Hope you enjoyed. And please, God, I will be back same time, same place next week.